Lord's house, will you stand with us? Greater is he. declaration today. Let that be our message, that Jesus came, he died, but he rose again, and today you and I can say that we are redeemed. He saved us, he loves us, and he wants us to continue to share that message, all right? And I'm so excited for what God has got in store for us today. I'm super pumped, but I'm really, really excited to see you too. It's good to see you guys. Great to have you this weekend. Did everyone's college football team win yesterday? All right? All right, I'm glad you have applause. Mine did not, okay? But to you Razorback fans, congratulations. Finally, right? All right. <laughs> all right. Well, it's good to have you guys. I'm going to invite you all to stand, and we're going to ask God to bless our services today. All right. Again, great to have you. 
Let's pray. Lord, I love you. And again, we're so thankful that we are able to be here today at Kavanaugh Church. We love our church, and we know that you love us so much. And we're excited for what you have for us today. So right now, I'm just asking that you go ahead of us during this time, the rest of our worship time, and into the message and prepare a way for us. Prepare our hearts. Prepare our minds. You know where you want to take us, God, and I pray that we receive that and that we as your people follow after. We love you. Be with our pastor as he brings the message. Be with our worship team as they continue to lead us, and be with us as your people as we receive and then take this message out into the world. We love you. In your name, amen. Air high fives, air knuckles, whatever you want to do, let's continue to worship.
sing with us what we believe. with each one of us. I'm so thankful for that. 
And I'm thankful for each one that stands in your presence this morning. Lord, I'm excited to hear as Brother Will opens up the scriptures what you have for us today. Speak mightily through your word to each one of us, Lord. Fill us with your word. Fill us with your power. I pray, God, as that scripture is opened, that we will never be the same after we hear it. Father, move amongst us. Change us, Father. I love you. I praise you. I give you all glory and honor for this this morning. For I believe in you. I love you. I praise you. I honor you. And all the people said, Amen. to have you here. Glad, uh, glad you're in person and I welcome those who are watching online. It's just good to be in the Lord's house today and to learn from him. Well, y'all have been setting a long time, haven't you? <laughs> Let's stand back up one more time, okay? Come on. Y'all stand back up. We're going to do this again. We've been doing it for the past, I don't know, seven or eight weeks, but we're going to keep doing it because it's important. We need to articulate our mission statement. You need to not only have it in your head, but you need to have it in your heart as well. So say this out loud with me. At Kavanaugh Church, our mission is... Amen. That's it. That's what it's all about right there. Thank you. You can be seated. We need that in our head. We need it in our heart. And then it needs to flow from our heart into our hands and our feet where we are actually going out and winning people to Christ. We are training these believers to become followers, disciples of Jesus. And then all of us together as the army of God are going back out into our world and we are being God's light in a dark world. Now all of that comes from 2 Corinthians chapter 5. So you can open your Bibles to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Uh, we're talking about this ministry that God has given to each one of us. It is the ministry of reconciliation. And God wants you to be the bridge that God uses to draw people who are far away from him. So we're talking about being the bridge, and today we're talking about being convinced by the cross of Jesus Christ that Jesus is the Son of God, that Jesus died on the cross to save us from our sins. And this is all found in our biblical text, 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Today I'm going to start reading in verse 14. Now, there's no fluff to this message. This is the meat of the word, so you're going to have to come aboard with me this morning and hang tight for the next uh, 25 minutes. Can you do that? Yeah. All right, let's get on board and read God's word. Here's what it says. For Christ's love compels us. Underline the word compelled in your Bible because we are convinced and also circle the word convinced. For Christ's love compels us because we are convinced that one died for all and therefore all died. And he died for all, that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. So from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone. The new is here. All of this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and has given each one of us this ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. And he has committed to us this same message 
of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Heavenly Father, thank you for this marvelous passage of Scripture. And I pray that as we speak it on the outside, you would speak it directly into our hearts. Lord, change us. Help, help us to understand that we are called to be the bridge, that we are in this ministry of reconciliation. As you are trying to reconcile the world to yourself, I pray, dear Lord, that we would be your ambassadors as we declare the good news of Jesus Christ. We ask it in his name. Amen. Now, we're going to dive right in, and let's look at verse number 14 again. For Christ's love compels us because we are convinced that one died for all, and therefore all died. Paul is describing here what happens when the love of Christ, the transforming work of Jesus Christ, becomes so real to us that it changes everything about us. It changes the way we think, the words we say, the places we go, the direction of our life. The love of God completely and totally transforms us. Paul said that there was a point in time when he became convinced of something that changed the trajectory of his life. He came to understand that Jesus Christ, God's son, came down to earth to die for his sins and the sins of the entire world. You see, church, our passion to share Jesus Christ to be literally the bridge that God uses to bring others to himself is based upon some very convincing information. And we see this information and we come to this conclusion based on biblical truth that there is something terribly wrong in our world. Are you in agreement with that? There's something radically wrong with the world that we live in. And here's what's wrong with us. People are separated from God. That's the root issue in our world today. People are alienated from God. Look at the way Paul put it here in verse 19. God was reconciling the world to himself. Why? Because we're alienated from God. He was reconciling the world to himself in Christ not counting men's sins against them. Now, I'm going to take you back to the beginning of the world and of the Bible. In the beginning, God created us perfect. We lived in a perfect world. There was no sin in God's perfect world. But then something happened in Genesis chapter 3 that separated mankind from God. The first humans, Adam and Eve, sinned against God. And their sinful tendencies have been passed down to all humans. We've all sinned. The Bible says, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And that sin in our life separates us from God. We are at odds with God. The word the Bible uses is we are at enmity with God. And our sins are keeping us from having a relationship with a holy God. Now, unless something changes, we are going to be separated from God for not only the rest of our lives, but for all eternity. And if something doesn't happen, we are going to spend eternity separated from God in a place called hell. So Houston, we've got a problem. It's a big problem. But you know what? We've got a big God. And our God has fixed the problem. Now, when you came in, there was a piece of paper and a pen in your seat. Take up your, your paper and your pen. That, that pen's a gift from us to you. It's a, the new Cavanaugh Church pen. It's a pretty cool pen. You can keep that or give it to somebody, you know? And if you're watching this online, uh, grab something to write on. It, it doesn't have to be a piece of paper. It can be a napkin. You can use a pen. Uh, ladies uh, there at home, you can use lipstick. It doesn't matter, just something to write with. 
because here, here's what we're going to do. We're, my, my outline today is going to be a picture, okay? We're going to draw a picture together. And you can use this picture to, to share with other people how they can have a relationship with God, all right? It, it, whether it's somebody at school or, or you're on coffee break with somebody or you're eating lunch with somebody, it, all you have to do is be able to draw this little picture, and, and I've sketched it out for you. And, and so we're going to start with this little sketch right here. So draw this. There's, there's people on one side, and then there's God on the other side. And what that is in between is kind of like a Grand Canyon that has no bottom, all right? There's this chasm between people and God. And the thing that is separating us from God is, is what is called sin. Now, if you're looking at, at my picture, you realize it doesn't have to be perfect. You, you don't have to be a good artist to draw this, uh, nor do you have to have good penmanship. I, I was going to have somebody that, that drew well and wrote nice to do it, but then I thought, no, y'all need to see my chicken scratch, because if I can do this, you can do this, all right? So, so everybody draw that so far, and, and there's what we have. We have people on one side, a holy God on the other side, and this great chasm of sin between us. Here's what the Bible says about it in verse number 19. God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting man's sins against him. You see, in the event of Christ coming to this earth, God, almighty God, became man, and he lived a perfect life. He died as a sacrifice for our sins, and then on the third day, as we sang about just a moment ago, Jesus rose from the dead. Through all of that, God was reconciling the world, that is us people, to himself. The word reconciled means to reestablish a broken relationship. So that's what Jesus did. So with your picture, let's go to picture number two here. What I'd like for you to do is, is above the sin up there, write the word Christ, or you can use the word Jesus. That's what God sent Jesus into the world to do. Jesus is the one who was sent by God to reconcile sinful man to a holy God. Again, verse 19 is our key verse. It says that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting men's sins against them. So I want you to step back and see the big picture. This is God's plan of salvation. This is what God has done for us. He sent his very own son, Jesus, from heaven. And Jesus came down to earth to be our savior. Jesus came to reconcile us or to fix the broken relationship so that we could have a relationship with God. I, I like the way it's stated in the book of 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 5. For there is one God... And one mediator between God and man, it is the man, Jesus Christ. It is Christ alone and Jesus only that can help us have a relationship with God. Jesus said it like this in John's Gospel, chapter 14. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no one gets to the Father except through me. Now, the, the world looks down on us when I say this, but you know what? Let them look down on us. This is the exclusiveness of Christianity. There's only one way to the Father. There's only one way for you to be saved. There's only one way that you can be reconciled to God and have a relationship with him, and that is Jesus Christ. He is the only way. Now, there, there's a whole lot of paths that lead us to Jesus, but Jesus is the only way a person can be saved. And this was accomplished through the historical event of Jesus Christ dying on Calvary's cross. So that leads us to drawing number three. I want you to sketch a cross like this one that I've sketched. Just a cross. And then you can mark out sin. Put a big old X on sin. Because the cross of Jesus Christ dealt with our sin problem. How about this right here? Jesus, Jesus dealt with our sins. He annihilates sin in my life. 
His blood washes away my sin and your sin. Now, this is, this is the basic bridge outline right here. Maybe you've heard of this before. Raise your hand if you've ever heard of the bridge illustration. Oh, just a few of you. Well, this is a great way to lead somebody to Jesus. Sherry, can you put that back up on the screen, my little, the, the last uh, picture? Right here. That, really, that's all you need to lead somebody to Jesus. You got it right there, God's plan of salvation. People are over here. God's over here. There's this big chasm between us. There's sin. It's separating us from God. But praise the Lord, Jesus came. He died on the cross. And through believing in Jesus, we can now be reconciled to God. Jesus literally is the bridge whereby we can be saved. That's it right there. You can draw that, can't you? You can use that to share it with somebody. You're thinking, dude, that's the shortest sermon you've ever preached. Well, I'm not done yet. I, I want to add to this a little bit because 2 Corinthians is so rich. What, what I want to do is, is share with you from this what Jesus actually did for us on the cross, literally he did four things. And I want to show you these four things so that you will be convinced just like the apostle Paul was convinced. And you will come to the same conclusion that Paul came to, that God wants us to be the bridge that allows other people to come to Jesus Christ. Are you with me? So here we go, drawing number four. We've got the cross there, and then on the left side, I want you to write down the first thing Jesus did for us on the cross. He died for us. So write that down. Jesus died for us on the left side of your cross. Jesus died for us. The verse that that comes from, and you might want to write this verse down, is verse 14. It simply says, one died for all. Therefore, all died. Now, Paul had reached a point in his life where his whole opinion about Jesus Christ radically changed. So I'm going to have to go back and tell you a little bit about Paul. Paul was a, a Hebrew. He was a Jew. He was trained by some of the greatest Jewish scholars that were alive in that daytime. And he was a devout Jew. He was a devout Hebrew. He was, I want, I want to use the word zealot, okay? He was a hardcore Jewish follower. In fact, he was so hardcore that he was out persecuting Christians, those who followed Jesus, because they saw Jesus as a perversion of, of the, the law and that Jesus was breaking the law of God. And so he was one of the ones on the front line persecuting believers the way or the church. In fact, in Acts chapter 8, he went to the Jewish leaders in Jerusalem and received orders so that he could go around into various towns and cities and apprehend Christians and bring them back to Jerusalem to be thrown in jail. And with these marching orders, he is going to Damascus. He is on what is called the Damascus Road in Acts chapter 9. And all of a sudden, he has an encounter with Jesus Christ. There's this bright light that is so bright, he falls on his face to the ground, and it, it was so bright that it blinded him. And he heard this voice that said, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he responded out loud and said, who are you? And the voice said, I am Jesus, the one you're persecuting. Now, that's quite an experience. It literally changed his life. From that point, he couldn't see. He was blind for three days. They took him on to the city of Damascus, and God was, God was speaking to a man there named Ananias, and he said, Ananias, I want you to go over to this house where Saul is before his name was changed to Paul, and I want you to pray for him so that he can be healed because he is an, anoint, an anointed vessel for me. He is going to preach Jesus to, to lost people. And Ananias said, there is no way I'm going to go pray for this dude. He's a bad man. He hates us Christians. And if I go over there, he's going to apprehend me and throw me into jail. And God said, just go do it. And so Ananias went over there, he put his hands on Saul, prayed for him, and here's a cool thing, go back and read it, Acts chapter 9. It said something like scales fell from his eyes. Nathan, what's that doing to your gut, thinking about scales falling from... Man, but isn't that cool? 
Those scales fell from his eyes and he could see. Not only could he see physically, he started to see spiritually. And Jesus transformed his life. Jesus saved him. He realized that Jesus died for him. The moment Paul was saved, it became clear to him that Jesus was the Son of God, who in his death took God's curse that belonged on, on us. He took our sins upon himself. Jesus' death was not for his sins. His death was for our sins. And Paul realized that, that he died for all. And the word all there meant everybody, not only Paul, but it means for us. Jesus died for you. He died for me. No one is excluded from the guilt of sin, and therefore no one is excluded from the saving purposes of Jesus Christ on Calvary's cross. Jesus died for us all because all of us were dead in our trespasses and sins. Every last one of us. Paul said it like this in Galatians 5.8, but God demonstrated his love for us in this. While we were yet sinners while we were still in our sins jesus christ died for us now guys that is that is amazing that god would love us so much that while we are at enmity with him while we are alienated from him while we because we sinned against him are far from him that he would care enough for us that he would die for us and save us from our sins back to second corinthians chapter 5 paul said it this way in verse 21 God made him who had no sin to become sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Wow. That, that brings on the, a whole new meaning of amazing grace, doesn't it? That, that is absolutely amazing. And you might wonder, well, well, why in the world would God do that for us? And why in the world would he do it that way? Well, that brings us to drawing number five. Jesus Christ died for us so that, here it is, he could claim us. And that's what he does. He claims us as his very own. He put it this way in verse 15. And he died for all, that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. So the purpose of this new life is so that we can live for God, that we don't live for ourselves anymore. We have a purpose for living. There is a reason that God created you. There is a reason God saved you. You have a purpose in life now. Paul put it like this in Romans chapter 6, using verse 6 and 11. For we know that our old self was crucified with him, so that the body of sin might be done away with that we should no longer be slaves to sin in the same way. Count yourselves dead to sin, but alive to God in Jesus Christ. Now, let's take you as an example before you're saved, before you believe in Jesus. You know what you are? You're dead. You're dead in your sins. You're lifeless. In fact, more than that, you're captivated by your sins. Sin's got its hold on you. The world is living through you. You don't belong to yourself. You, people think they want to be independent. They, they want to be free from everything, including God. No, you're going to be captive by something. And before Jesus, you're captive to sin. Sin's got its hold on you. You're its slave. But when you accept Jesus Christ as your Savior, you know what happens? He sets you free. <laughs> he sets you free in a way you've never imagined that you could be free from. You're free from your selfishness. But at that same time, God claims you. You see, the death of Jesus Christ was intended to bring about our death to self-centered living. We are now brought under the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Before Christ, we were enslaved to sin. But Jesus sets us free, and now we belong to God, the one who created us, the one who wants the best for us, the one who has a plan for our life. God has claimed you as his own. 
Let me put it another way. Drawing number six. (laughs) Drawing number six is he makes us new. There are four things that Jesus did on the cross. He died for us. He claims us. And then number three, he makes us new. The verse for that is verse 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is gone. Behold, the new has come. I told first service, I, I, I remember this verse out of the King James, the, the translation I read when I was a kid and memorized from. It calls us a new creature. You are a new creature in Jesus. And that was always intriguing to me, Nathan, of being a new creature. I, I never thought of myself as a creature But you know what? In Jesus, I am a new creature, a new creation. And and when Paul wrote this, I think Paul is saying, you know what? I'm exhibit number one in all of this. I'm exhibit number one of this truth. His encounter with Jesus Christ changed the entire direction of his life. He was outwardly a good man. He was outwardly a righteous man, a religious man. But everything revolved around himself. He was the center of his own universe. And though he didn't understand it at the time, Paul was spiritually dead. Did you know that you can know the Bible and you can know about God, but if you don't have a relationship with Jesus, you are still dead in your trespasses and sins. And so he knew about God. He knew about God's word, but he did not know Jesus Christ. He didn't understand that he was spiritually dead. But just as Jesus died and rose again, so the old apostle Paul died on the Damascus Road. And the new Paul came alive in Jesus Christ. And Jesus became the center of his life. His life now revolved around Jesus. Why? Because he was a new creature. He was a new creation. The old Paul was gone. He was now a new man. You know what? That happens for everyone who accepts Jesus. Uh, about a year ago, maybe a year and a half ago, I, I met this guy. Um, lived over, way over in Oklahoma, but we we met and became friends and were talking. And what what brought us together were old pickups. We, we both have a love for old pickup trucks, and so we got to talking about pickups. And and it was one of these holy things where God, I think, brought us together. And as we were talking, I I just kind of got the the impression that this guy had had a rough life. You know how you can tell that sometimes? I mean, he looked rough. You know, he looked like he had been through it. And he looked like to me that at one time he was a bad dude. Even though he was nice now and he, he did not use profanity. He, he, you know, he, he never said a cuss word while we were talking. And, but, you know, I could, just, I could just tell that at one time this guy, this guy, he'd been through it. And so during the conversation, I said something about Jesus. And then something about church. And, and he responded. He put a smile on his face. He says, so you're a Christian? I said, yeah. He said, I am too? Yeah. I thought, okay, cool, man. And then he said, let me tell you my story. Now, dude, let me, when somebody says that to me, let me tell you my story about how God changed their life. I'm all ears. I'm all ears. And can I do a quick timeout with you? That's really what this is about. All these sermons I've been preaching you know, we talk about being a bridge, and I've, I've given you this bridge illustration. Uh, there's the Romans road to salvation. There's all these different ways and methods you can lead people to Jesus. Did you know the best way that you can lead somebody to Jesus is just tell them your story? How you've been saved. And if you've been saved, you've got a story of how God transformed your life. And it's unlike anybody else's story. So just use your story to lead somebody to Jesus. He said, let me tell you my story. I said, come on, dude, bring it on. I want to hear this. He said, he said, well, I had a rough childhood and I was a mean kid and I grew up to be a mean man. He said, I'm big right now. And he was, he was, he was a big man. He said, but, but used to, I worked out every day. I went to the gym every day. And he said, I was, I was bodybuilder size. He said, I was a big guy, had muscles everywhere. And I was just, I was as big and as mean as a person could be. He named all the motorcycle gangs he had been a member of. He said, I'd get up every morning and I'd open up a, a new bottle of whiskey and I'd start drinking, drinking whiskey in the morning and I wouldn't stop until that bottle was finished at night. And he said, every night, every night, my buddies and I would go to a bar, a different bar. 
and I would step in that bar, and I'd look for the biggest, meanest guy in the bar, and I'd go pick a fight with him. He said, because I love to fight. I love to hit people, and I like to get hit, too. And he started showing me the wounds that he had, the scars that he had. And I'm thinking, this, this is pretty intense right here. And he said, he said, then one day I was at the gym working out, and this guy walked in. And he said, I spotted him when he walked in the door. I knew he was a preacher. He said, I just could smell it. <laughs> and he said, come to find out this guy was a preacher. And, and let me tell you, I know the preacher. He's, he's a big-time preacher. He's, he pastors a big mega church, okay? And he said, I decided right then and there I was going to pick a fight with that guy. He said, so I started mouthing to him. He came back the next day, and I mouthed to him again. I smarted off to him. I insulted him. I was trying to pick a fight with him. But he said, you know what? He wouldn't fight me. He just had some comeback with, that, was, that was scripture about God, just made me mad. I wanted to break him, he said. He said, this, this went on for a couple of weeks, and finally that preacher just got in my face and said, you know what? You're a tough guy. I know you're a tough guy, but, and you've been picking on me. Why don't you just come to my church this Sunday? Why don't you just come and, and hear what this is all about? And he said, I did it. I showed up to his church. And he said, that day changed my life. Because that day I accepted Jesus Christ as my personal Savior. And he made me a new man on the inside. He said, on the outside I was the still the same old guy, but he said, everything about me was new on the inside. My thinking changed. My vocabulary changed. The way I lived changed. The way I acted changed. I no longer wanted to fight with people. I wanted to love on people and tell them the good news about Jesus Christ. He makes us new. Jesus is the only one who can do that. And when we are in Christ, we are raised to walk in a new life. The old has gone. The new has come. And the moment that we are saved, we become new. N not new in time, but we become new in kind. He makes us a new creation. That's what God does. That's what Jesus did on the cross. He died for you. He makes us new. And in doing so, he is reconciling us to God. That, that brings us to the, the next drawing. And really, it's the central theme of this passage. Four things he does. He died for us. He claims us. He makes us new. But then he reconciles us. In a nutshell, 2 Corinthians chapter 5 is all about reconciliation. Again, the problem is that we need to be reconciled to God because we are separated from God because of our sins. It's not that we've just had a little misunderstanding with God. I mean, it's bigger than that. There has been full-on mutiny and rebellion against God. Sin is the revolt of man against God, and this results in alienation and separation from God because of his holy wrath against our sins. God is holy. He cannot allow sin into his presence. Therefore, no sin will be allowed into heaven. Our God is a holy God. So that's what's alienating. That's the problem. But you need to understand this, church. Our rebellion is more than matched by God's grace, his mercy, and his love. However bad our rebellion has been, his grace is greater. Boy, that's amazing to me. And, and here's what it says in verse 18. All of this is from God. All of this reconciliation comes from him. Again, mind-boggling because we're the ones who have offended. We are the ones filled with sin. God hasn't done anything wrong. Yet he knows the only way to fix us is for him to take the initiative. And so all of this is from God. Verse 19, that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting men's sins against them. You see, reconciliation can't happen by ignoring the offense. 
A holy God cannot just wink at our sins and say, oh, that's not that big of a deal. Because it is a big deal. Our sins required action on his part. And through Christ, God no longer counted our sins against us. Our sins were counted against Christ. And this was made possible on the cross where Jesus sacrificed his life for us. Look at the way it's put in Romans chapter 5, verse 10. For if when we were God's enemies, we were reconciled to him through the death of his son, how much more, having been reconciled, we shall be saved through his life. Again, that, that is amazing. God has done all of the heavy lifting. God has done this for us. But, but there's a step that we need to take. It's found in verse 20. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. Therefore, we implore you on his behalf. Would you please be reconciled to God? Now, I'm about finished, but listen to what I've got to say here because this is important. As Paul wrote this letter, he knew that it would be read by the church. That's who it was addressed to. He knew that Christians would be reading this letter. And we need to understand that we are the ambassador of Jesus Christ. If you're a Christian, you have been called to this ministry of reconciliation. You are to be the bridge that God uses to allow people to come to faith in him. You are to share the good news. All right, do we got that? We are his ambassadors. But he also knew that non-believers would hear this as well. And that they needed to be reconciled to God. Therefore, he, he ended that by saying, you need to be reconciled to God. Reconciliation with God is available to all, but it's not automatic for all. We, we are to to be reconciled to God through faith in Jesus Christ. It's not something that just automatically happens when you turn 21. No, you've got to make that decision. You've got to trust Jesus as your Savior. So how is the relationship repaired and restored? Jesus put it this way in John 1, 12. Yet to all who received him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become the children of God. So he tells us right there, here, here are the two things you've got to do to receive God's salvation. You've got to believe and you've got to receive. So one last thing I want you to draw on your picture, right down under the people, put believe and receive because that's what people have to do in order to be reconciled to God. Jesus has done all the heavy lifting. Jesus died on the cross. What we have to do is believe and receive. To believe is to take God at his word and by faith walk across the bridge that God has provided in Jesus Christ. To receive is what we do because we believe. We accept the gift of faith. So we believe, we receive. I'm pulling something out of my pocket. What is this? It's a tin bill. Call them tin smackers right here. Ten dollar bill. Now what I'm going to do with this ten dollar bill here in just a second is I'm going to give it to somebody who really wants it. So you be thinking, you be thinking in your head, do I want that ten dollar bill? Do I want it to go into my purse or my pocket? Okay, be thinking about it. But before you accept it, let me say something about it. If I'm going to give you this ten dollar bill, First of all, you've got to believe. You've got to believe it's real money, that it's not from a monopoly set, that it's not fake, that it's real currency. You've got to believe that it's spendable. You also have to believe that I'm giving it to you in good faith. I mean, there's, there are no restrictions here. I'm not going to demand anything from you. I'm just, I'm just going to give it to you out of the goodness of my heart, from my pocket to your pocket. You're also going to have to believe that I'm not going to meet you in the parking lot <laughs> and say, give me my $10 back, all right? So you have to believe those things before you receive, all right? So who wants it? Who wants it? 
Who wants this? You, you, okay, all right. Here you go. You believe. I believe. You believe, so you receive, receive right there. It's yours. Not mine anymore. It's yours. Okay? It's yours. It's hers. It's all hers. Now, let me make a correlation between that believing and receiving of the $10 and God's salvation of believing and receiving. Here, here's the big difference. Here, that 10 bucks is just 10 bucks. You could go to Subway after church and buy you a six-inch Subway, some chips, and a soda. Greg, it's not going to cover yours or the kids. It, in fact, you might need some change from him to pay the taxes on it, you know. But um, it, it, it might be enough to, you know, six-inch sub, you know, Cheetos. I always get Cheetos when I go there. <laughs> Lemonade with some tea in it, you know. And it'll satisfy you for a few hours. It'll, it'll satisfy your hunger. But come 5, 6 o'clock, you're going to be hungry again, and you're not going to have that $10 because you blew it on a 6-inch sub. Everybody with me? The huge difference between my gift of 10 bucks and God's gift of eternal life is that his gift is not a quick fix. It's not a Band-Aid. It's not something that's just going to satisfy you for a, a day or two days or a week. It's eternal. It's something that changes your life, the direction of your life. It changes your thinking, your speaking, your walking, your doing. It changes the trajectory of your life. You're no longer going down to hell. Now you're going to heaven. It's the gift that just keeps on giving. And to receive that gift, Jesus said, you have to believe. You have to believe that I am the way, the truth, and the life. And if you want to be reconciled to God, there's only one door you can walk through, and it's me. And so, listen, church, I implore you, I beg you, those watching online, I plead with you. Be reconciled to God. Make sure that you're saved. Make sure before you leave this building today or turn off your computer that your heart is right with Jesus Christ. Make sure your name is written in the Lamb's book of life. Make sure you're going to heaven. Make sure there is no separation or enmity between you and God. How can you do that? Well, again, at Kevin, we say it's this... It's really simple. God's plan of salvation is pretty simple. It's as simple as A, B, C. A, admit you're a sinner. You are. B, believe he's the only one who can save you. He is. And C, confess your life to him that you've been born again. Heavenly Father, I pray that you would do that for those who need to be saved. For the rest of us, dear Lord, I pray that we would be on board with you, that we would become the bridge and that we would use every opportunity you give us to lead others to Jesus our salvation, and our Savior. Dear Lord, during this time of commitment, I, I pray that, that lives would be transformed and that we would be ambassadors for Jesus Christ. And I ask it in your name, amen. Would you please stand with heads bowed and eyes closed? Again, because of COVID, we don't have altar calls like we used to have. But you know what? You, the, the, stand, the place you're standing is, I'm going to call it holy ground. Let, let's make the place you're standing your altar of sacrifice today. Even those of you watching on Facebook, right there where you stand, if you've never accepted Jesus, would you do so today? As Paul said in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, I implore you, I beg you to consider this. Be reconciled to God. Guarantee you the best decision you'll ever make is giving your life to Jesus Christ because it changes everything. So would you do that? If you need help in doing that, come by and see me after the service or come by and see Brother Nathan. We'd, we'd, we'd love to talk to you because this is what really matters in life. And then if you are a Christian, if you are a believer, would you become his ambassador? Every morning, wake up and say, Lord, give me somebody to talk to today. Lead me to somebody that I can share the good. Help me to be the bridge today, Lord. And I promise you, if you ask him that, He's going to bring people into your life that you'll be able to encourage and help them change and become the people God has called them to be. So, Lord, I thank you for what you're doing in our hearts, our lives, and our church. 
Help us to be in this ministry of reconciliation. Help us to be on fire for you, dear Lord, and all in. And help us to do what you've called us to do, to be an ambassador for Jesus Christ. We ask this in his name. And everybody said, amen. Amen. Thanks. Just be seated for a second. Got a couple of announcements I want to share with you before you disperse and leave. Tonight at 6 o'clock, Brother Johnny's going to be on Facebook Live uh, with Kids Church at 6.30. Facebook Live, we have our adult Sunday school lesson. Don Smith is going to be teaching that, so tune in for that. Wednesday night at 7 o'clock, we have things for all ages, so come back for Bible study and for teens and for kids. Ladies' Bible study is started. It's on Tuesday, two different times, 9.30 in the morning or 6.30 in the evening. And Gail, they just need to come into here because we're having it in the worship center. That's every Tuesday, 9.30 and 6.30. When you walk out the doors, you'll see one of those little black boxes. Uh, That's for you to put your offering in, or again, you can give online. Give to Adopt a Family. Brother Johnny had a meeting with uh, everybody last week talking about this big Christmas event uh, where we give Christmas to underprivileged kids in our community. We do that through the local elementary schools. Uh, Adopt a Family is going to be different this year, but we're still going to do it. So we're asking you to start giving to that. Also be praying for It's Our Turn. Uh, Every day at 1.30, pray for our new building and also our campaign that we're going to restart when COVID is over with. (laughs) If COVID is is ever over with, uh, we're going to restart that campaign and allow you to give to that new building. Hey, I want you to know I love you. I do love you, but God loves you more. So you love him this week. We'll see you next week.